Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio, the cattleman's resource for relevant industry insight on the go. Brought to you straight from the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra, you now have the opportunity to stay up to date on the latest news and information related to cattle producers, whether you're in the field, on the go, or finally back at home. So let's dive in. Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio. I'm Lindsay McAnally, and today I'm excited to share some standout stories with you from the latest edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Leading off the episode is a story about the merits of backgrounding calves. Managing a backgrounding operation is an easier way to get started in the cattle business. By Heather Smith-Thomas. Backgrounding means growing weaned calves to a heavier weight before they go into a finishing program. Some producers buy light calves to put on grass and grow to a larger size. Some buy weaned calves to put into a confinement program and feed a growing ration until they're ready to go to a finishing facility. Eric Bailey, University of Missouri Extension Beef Specialist, says that in the stalker backgrounding business, money is made on how you buy calves. The average backgrounder takes a 4 to 500 pound calf to 7 to 800 pounds and resells it, he says. To be successful, you need accessible and affordable feed sources. In Missouri, there are opportunities to buy small groups of calves because there are many small-scale cow-calf producers. Lot size affects sales price. Also, there are opportunities to upgrade calves from small-scale farms. A person can pick up calves here and there, shape them up, and eventually make uniform bunches to resell at a heavier weight. Our goal is to enhance stalker cattle systems in Missouri by utilizing an intensive early stocking system in the fescue belt, looking at timing of grazing and shorter duration, he explains. Many people think in terms of a backgrounder stalker system as 150 to 180 day grazing program, but by running twice as many animals for half the time, you harvest the forage when it is highest quality, early in the season. You don't subject those cattle to summer slump. The cattle are not affected by late summer heat and the effects of fescue, which reduce their heat tolerance and negatively affect gain. Fescue has two growth peaks throughout the year. The first peak is from early April into June. A secondary peak of growth happens in September and October. Good fescue will produce four tons of forage per acre. About two-thirds of that tonnage comes from spring growth and one-third comes in the fall, explains Bailey. I am a huge proponent of management-intensive grazing because it's a great tool, but I know the effort it takes, Bailey says. It's not for everyone, and many places are not set up to do it efficiently. I try to create simple systems that can work for more cattle producers. He says the surface has only been scratched when it comes to opportunities for more backgrounding in Missouri as a way to add value to calf crops. Missouri produces nearly 2 million calves each year, but 85% of them leave the state at waning. There is a tremendous opportunity to do more backgrounding. We lack the large feedlots and slaughter capacity, he says. In the future, I believe our best asset is an 800-pound steer that's ready to go on feed somewhere, rather than a 500-pound steer that somebody else has to straighten out and then grow and then put on feed. Anyone can background calves without a huge investment in land and facilities, says Bailey. In his own small venture a few years ago, he drained his savings account to buy nine heifer calves. 
They were a good buy and he made $175 per head on them. Instead of buying 100 head of cows, waiting nine months for them to calve and another nine months for those calves to grow, he made a 15% return on his investment in 90 days. There is always some risk when buying, growing, and reselling cattle. It's market-driven, and you also have to deal with whatever you get bought, Bailey cautions. We had one heifer that was wild. Her flight zone was about an eighth of a mile, he recalls. If people buy cattle to background, fences need to be good and they need to be prepared for extremes. This is different than a cow-calf operation in which a person can select for desired traits and call the animals that don't fit or are hard to manage. While Bailey admits the cow-calf business is a great life, he says it is hard to make a living in it. The stalker cattle business requires a much lower capital investment and is easier to get into. You can lease land and graze stalkers, taking someone else's cattle to put on gain and charge between 50 and 60 cents per pound of gain. You're marketing your skills and husbandry and don't have to get a $250,000 loan to buy land and cows. Bailey says he is passionate about this segment of the industry because it gives more people opportunity to be in the cattle business. As older producers retire, a person might be able to lease their land. I'm dismayed by the lack of young people coming back to the farm, but it's hard to make a cattle business pencil in a way that would allow someone to borrow money to buy a ranch, he says. It's easier to get started by leasing land and running stalker cattle. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho. Next up, working cattle, ATV or horseback. Does it come down to preference or are there times when one is better than the other? By Heather Smith-Thomas. If you want a lively discussion, ask stockmen if they gather, move, sort, or handle cattle by horseback or with an ATV, four-wheeler, or quad. Some will be adamant about the virtues and drawbacks of one or the other, while some use both. Each has its place, with advantages and disadvantages depending on the situation. Ken Stilo of Barras Ranch raises Angus cattle near Paradise, Kansas. He says his outfit uses ATVs, but prefers to use horses. In rough country, the cattle learn to get away from ATVs and become hard to gather by any method, says Stilo. Mike Kostler, who managed Eagle Valley Ranch near Salmon, Idaho for many years, says advantages of an ATV include increased mobility and speed in getting where you need to go to gather cows, get them moved, and then get back quicker to your other jobs. If you are going someplace where you can't take a trailer and you have to ride a horse there and back again, the four-wheeler is useful, he says. Some guys don't ride horses and the ATV enables them to move cattle, Kostler explains. But cattle get smart. They realize they can get away from an ATV. For example, Kostler says they couldn't get cows out of one field with ATVs. It had a deep ditch, which the cows went across knowing you couldn't follow until you found a crossing for the ATV. If a person hurries them too much with an ATV, cows learn to run circles around you instead of moving where you want them, he adds. They quickly figure out a four-wheeler and its limitations. Kostler says he wants his cows to be accustomed to everything. Horses, bikes, people on foot, etc. Most of the ranch he managed was rotationally grazed, so he was always moving cattle. He would go out and open a wire and the cattle would follow once they saw the four-wheeler. If cattle need to be moved a couple miles, Kostler prefers using a horse. Safety issues are a concern. A person is more at risk on a four-wheeler than on a horse if things get wild, he says. 
A horse is more agile and can whirl away. The horse can save you because he's watching the cattle and will get out of the way if a cow charges or a bull gets pushed towards you. I've seen people try to break up biting bulls with an ATV, and this is dangerous, notes Costler. The bulls don't pay attention to anything else when they're fighting. You can't move quickly enough and you can't turn. The horses can get out of the way. A horse may move quicker than you want, but he'll get you out of there. Jim Jensen of Lucky 7 Angus Ranch in Wyoming says they used strictly horses for a long time. That changed. At one point, we needed to move heifers eight miles through sagebrush country at the base of the mountains, he shares. I needed to get them moved, and everyone that I needed to help me was too busy. Several days went by, and I decided to move them by myself. Jensen used a four-wheeler and four dogs and had them moved two hours faster than he expected. ATVs offer speed and endurance, allowing ranchers to travel to and from cattle faster. That was the first time I'd ever moved cattle with a four-wheeler, he says. I put the dogs behind them and let the dogs herd them. I drove ahead and opened gates and turned the cattle the proper way. Problems mainly occur, he clarifies, when people chase cattle with four-wheelers. Sometimes you really need a horse. Some areas are too rough to use an ATV, and horses are the only way to gather or sort cattle. Other than that, you can do just about everything on an ATV that you can with a horse, except that nearly everyone who gets on a four-wheeler chases cows too fast and messes them up, says Jensen. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho. Moving on, alternative feeds when traditional sources are expensive. Calculating cost per pound of nutrient is a good place to start. By Heather Smith-Thomas. When traditional feeds are in short supply or expensive, stockmen must find cost-effective ways to balance a ration. Jana Block, beef nutritionist with Hubbard Feeds and former livestock system specialist at North Dakota State University, says drought conditions make it challenging to feed cows adequately through winter. Make an inventory of feeds you have on hand and their nutritional values and try to complement those, advises Block. Usually the base ration will be hay or forage of some kind. List what you have on hand and lab analysis if possible, she says. If growing and or harvesting conditions were abnormal, too dry or too wet, quantities and qualities may be different than other years. If the crude protein level is below 7%, rumen microbes can't function. Hay quality cannot be determined on visual inspection alone. It's important to evaluate hay by looking at the condition of the bales, the color, odor, etc., but this won't tell you everything. It might be green, but still low in protein. A forage analysis provides the whole picture, she says. Figure out how many pounds of feed per cow are needed. Some people don't assess stocking rates, and most people don't want to reduce numbers. But for the herd to stay healthy and performing, it may be necessary to sell some cows. It's not always wise to buy expensive hay that might take several calf crops to pay for. Sometimes it's better to sell a few cows and buy less hay, adds Block. Some people utilize straw and protein supplement, but straw can be scarce and expensive. Straw is mainly a filler, Block says, providing a rule of thumb. You can go up to 50% of the diet as straw for a mature cow in the gestation, but you need something else to go with it, and you must have adequate protein to utilize the straw. The amount of straw a cow can digest depends on several factors, she says. It makes a difference what kind of straw, whether it's oat, barley, or wheat, and how mature it was when harvested. 
Says Block, about half the ration is the amount of straw a cow can digest in a 24-hour period. Make sure you're not overloading cows with low-quality forage that won't go through the digestive tract quickly. If cows don't have enough protein, they can't eat enough to meet their needs because it won't be digested very quickly. The gut stays full and they can't eat more feed, she explains. This can happen on any low-quality, dry, mature forage. Cows can become impacted, sometimes fatally, when they don't have enough protein, especially if they're short on water. Vitamins and minerals are important for the health of the fetus. Vitamin A is deficient in drought-affected forages, and it needs to be provided via supplement or injection, particularly during the last couple months of gestation, she explains. Then it will transfer to the newborn calf through colostrum. A cow with inadequate levels of vitamins and minerals may have weak or blind calves, retained placentas, and other problems. Traditional supplemental feeds also may be scarce or more expensive. Before you buy, figure out the cost per pound of the nutrient you're trying to supply. In drought conditions, you may be looking at all the nutrients, not just protein, because some feeds are deficient in everything, energy, vitamins, etc. You can still look at the primary component and figure cost per pound of that nutrient, add transportation costs, feed delivery costs, etc. when comparing products. There are many good calculating systems for this. There is one through North Dakota State University, and Nebraska has good ones. Any extension service will have a feed cost calculator that can help you, she says. Most people are familiar with protein supplements because protein is important, but energy also must be adequate, clarifies Block. In some cases, we might be feeding the wrong type of supplement. This is where feed analysis comes in, along with looking at nutrient requirements. In some situations, energy may be the first limiting nutrient requirement that must be met, and then fill in with protein. If energy is lacking, we'd feed a different type of supplement than if we were just short on protein. It's crucial to get the right combination, she says. When buying low-quality hay, if that's all you can find or afford, it's important to figure out how to supplement it. Although corn is expensive, if we look at cost per pound of nutrient, it provides more energy than hay, Block says. In some cases, corn might be the better buy. It depends on how much of the ration you need to make up with some type of concentrate. As long as there is fiber in the diet to keep the digestive tract functioning normally, you can often make do with something like corn. A nutritionist can help you figure out a balanced ration. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho. And finally, Michigan Angus Family Earns Ambassador Award. Seldom Rest Farms opens its gates to build bonds with Certified Angus Beef Partners by B.J. Ike, Certified Angus Beef. Among Angus cattlemen, Seldom Rest Farms of Niles, Michigan is a brand synonymous with show ring success. But a few times a year, it's not a flood of frenzied heifer buyers pulling into the driveway. Instead, it's a bus loaded with dozens from the Meyer Grocery Communications team to see how the beef they sell is raised. The Foster family opens the gates to share their story with Certified Angus Beef Partners on a regular basis, earning Seldom Rest Farms the CAB 2023 Ambassador Award. The family was recognized in September at the brand's annual conference in Las Vegas. Brothers Bruce and Scott Foster operate Seldom Rest Farms along with Scott's son, Andrew. A little more than 90 miles from Chicago, the pristine show facility and small groups of Angus cattle at Seldom Rest Farms provide the perfect backdrop to host CAB stakeholders from around the Midwest. 
chefs from top restaurants, grocery store managers, butchers, and beef marketers enjoy up-close interactions with Angus cattle. The latest Meyer visit marks the sixth CAB Ranch Day hosted at the farm in the last three years. Hosting Ranch Days helps build the value of the brand throughout the supply chain by allowing both sides to meet and ask questions. Two-term American Angus Association board member Scott and the CAB team greet arriving guests, all as eager to learn as the Michigan family is hungry to help. The Foster family doesn't just open their farm to hosting groups. They create an experience that makes a lasting impression on the restaurants, distributors, and grocery stores who sell certified Angus beef, says Deanna Wallencheck, CAB's vice president of brand marketing, Domestic. Customers leave every visit with more confidence in how beef is raised and have a stronger connection to the people who are caring for the cattle. Whether it's chefs or restaurant owners, it allows us to interact with them so they can see what it's like on a daily basis for the people raising the product, Andrew says. They can see the things we go through, they know where our passion comes from, where some of the struggles are, and what keeps us going from day to day. And they can take those stories back and share with their customers and the consumers down the line. The Fosters are building their fervor for agriculture with the next generation of Angus promoters and opening their farm to share their own passion with stakeholders in the beef business in the hopes of securing a stronger future for everyone who benefits from the brand. Their passion for the Junior Livestock Program ties directly to the future of production agriculture and opportunities for young people through all segments of the industry. As you look at the future, we really need to have these young people come back and be a part of the registered Angus business, Scott says. We believe in the Angus breed for the opportunities to find a place in the beef industry no matter what segment you're in. We still believe that opportunity exists for the next generation and the generation after that. The Fosters have first-hand experience in the opportunities CAB helps create for anyone with a passion for the beef industry. While Andrew manages the show cattle operation, his sister Danielle Matter works as Director of Brand Experience and Education for CAB. Hosting groups from the opposite end of the supply chain lets the family build relationships with people who may never have set foot in a pasture. While success at Seldom Rest Farms might not be measured in pounds of beef sold, they view the opportunity to host groups as a service to all members of the American Angus Association. We believe in the product. We believe in our fellow Angus breeders who are out there producing seed stock. We believe in the packers and the feedlots and all the people who are making it happen, Andrew says. It's important for visitors to see that we all care about the product that ends up on their plate. That makes it a priority to find time to talk about what they do and how CAB plays a role in their ability to pursue this lifestyle by increasing the demand for Angus genetics. When we give a tour for CAB, we're representatives for the entire beef industry, Andrew says, and we want people to know how much we care for the cattle and for the land. Editor's note, BJ Ike is a freelance writer for Certified Angus Beef. Listeners, as always, thanks for joining us for this edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio. To access the full slate of stories from our latest Angus Beef Bulletin Extra, or to sign up as a subscriber, please check out the link in our show notes. If you have any questions or comments, let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. And we would appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts 
and share this episode with any other cattlemen on the go. Thanks for listening. This has been Angus Beef Bulletin Extra Audio.